Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd. On today's show, it's time to put a final bow on everything that happened at last week's 1,000-level event in Cincinnati. What a Western Southern Open it was for all of us tennis fans to enjoy. And of course, on yesterday's show, I offered my thoughts on the remarkable run of 25-year-old Borna George. He's been plagued with countless injuries over the past two years, but last week he finally looked like himself once again, knocking off players like Rafael Nadal, Felix Ogier, Ali Stefano Tsitsipas on his way to his first 1,000 level title. Of course, I broke down what allowed him to have that sort of success as well as the other players who caught my attention throughout the course of the week. I tried to offer my thoughts on how last week's action in Cincinnati has shaped my views on what may unfold at next week's U.S. Open. So if you're looking for any men's singles coverage of the 2022 Western and Southern Open, hop on over to yesterday's mini break podcast on today's show. I want to break down the women's singles event in particular, talk about the remarkable run of Caroline Garcia. She might be the best tennis player right now on the WTA tour. Let me say that again. She might be the single best tennis player right now in women's tennis. She's been that exceptional since the end of June. And certainly if you looked at her run in Cincinnati, not only did she have to come through qualifying, not only did she win two, three sets matches in qualifying, but she became, I believe, the first qualifier to capture the Western and Southern Open. What a run for Garcia on her way to the title. There were no light matches. She has to knock off Sakari, Mertens, Pegula, Sabalenka, Kvitova in the final, and she looked exceptional in every one of those matches. Of course, Garcia, a former world number four, so we know the sort of tennis she is capable of playing, but to see her return to that form over the course, not only of this past week, but again, over the past six to eight weeks, it's a significant storyline, something we have to discuss on today's show. So, of course, I want to do that. I want to offer my thoughts on the other players who I thought impressed as well throughout the course of last week's action in Cincinnati. Try to explain why I think certain players look particularly dangerous or perhaps particularly less so as we approach next week's action, the final Grand Slam beginning in New York. So, again, on today's show, we'll put a final bow on everything that happened in Cincinnati. Of course, I am recording this podcast Tuesday morning in my hotel room prior to the start of today's Tennis in the Land WTA 250 action. Of course, we've still got, I believe, three tour-level events we've got here in Cleveland and in Granby, Canada for the women this week. Of course, the men are competing in Winston-Salem. We've got U.S. Open qualifying happening this week as well, countless challengers. And then, of course, we've got the U.S. Open starting next week. And typically during these weeks, you we try, or we here at Cracked Rack, excuse me, try to offer you all a plethora of preview content. Unfortunately, or fortunately, 
I should say for us. We're currently working this week as we are serving as MC, and in the case of super producer Daniel Westoff, the super producer of the Cleveland event, uh, providing entertainment for all the fans who attend this week's action in Cleveland. And as I said yesterday, if you are one of those fans who are going to be in the land this week, come by, say hello. Always love the chance to chat with each of you listeners. Always love the chance to hear from you. Who are the most significant players? What are the storylines you all are monitoring? So if you are in the Cleveland area, please stop by, say hello. Of course, the reason, again, I bring up our exploits in Cleveland, not only does it serve as a nice humble brag to kick off today's show, but just uh, to let all of you listeners know, I'm going to try my best to do a men's, women's singles preview draw, try to talk about the dark horses, try to talk about the contenders as well, try to do all of those things as we prepare all of you listeners for next week's action in New York, the final Grand Slam of the 2022 season. Going to try to find time to do all of those things for you listeners, as I know that's our job here at Cracked Rackets, but if I don't, just wanted to offer you a reason as to why that would be the case. It's not because we're vacationing in one of the most important times on the tennis calendar. No, it's because we are jam-packed trying to make the most of what is always an extraordinarily fun North American hardcore summer, but again, Recording this Tuesday morning as such, I got limited time, so I got to get right to the Western and Southern action. I promise starting on tomorrow's mini break and moving forward, we'll start to focus on all of this week's action that's unfolding. But of course, the reason we're able to do this day in, day out here on this podcast is because of the support we get from all of you listeners and the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. You all know the deal. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all the best equipment at all the best prices. You can find it all at one location. Again, tennis-point.com. Use that promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there. Also, one other disclaimer. Should you hear any swearing in today's podcast, I apologize for that fact. Again, super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos in Cleveland as such just doesn't have quite as much time to edit these podcasts. So they're coming to you a bit raw if that makes sense, a bit more raw than typical, although they're they're usually pretty raw. We don't do a ton of editing here, as Gil Gross likes to say. I'm the fake editor-in-chief here at Cracked Rackets because there's not a lot of editing that goes on at CR. Nevertheless, if a spontaneous cuss word is thrown out in this podcast, I apologize to you. Mostly, I apologize to our younger listeners, as that is not the example I want to set for all of them. Nevertheless, with that said, let's get into last week's Cincinnati action. And of course, the place we have to start is with Caroline Garcia. Caroline Garcia now 35-15 and 15 overall on the 2022 season, perhaps more pressingly since the start of of Bad Hamburg, which started June 20th. She goes on to win that event on the grass courts again end of June. Since the start of that Bad Hamburg event, Caroline Garcia, 26-4 overall on the WTA Tour. She's winning 87% of her matches over a two-month stretch of time. We say this all the time here on the Mini Break Podcast feed. The two-thirds rule, right? Technically the 60% rule, but also the two-thirds rule works as well because it just makes a little bit more sense. You win two matches at every event you're playing. Typically you're making quarterfinals, right? Or at the very least at the big events you're making round of 16. If you're winning two-thirds of your matches, you're going to continue to steadily ascend up the rankings regardless of what level those wins are coming at. For Caroline Garcia... Those wins are coming at the biggest events, and she's not just winning two-thirds of her matches. She's winning 87% of her matches over the course of an eight-week stretch. Those are the sort of elite runs that the best of the best players 
in professional tennis, men's or women's side, rip off from time to time, right? You think about what Carlos Alcaraz did over the course of two, three months to start the season. You think about what Daniil Medvedev has done in 2019, 2021 on the hard courts. You think about, again, what Iga Svantec did. I guess that's the most extreme version of this throughout the course of, you know, mid, you know, from mid-February all the way through the French Open. Caroline Garcia is in the midst of one of those special runs. Again, 26-4 since June 20th. What's more impressive than the record are the players that she's beaten. You look for her during this stretch of time. Not only has she beaten world number one Iga Świątek on clay courts in Poland, she's also, of course, beating players like Emma Raducanu, Alize Cornet, Bianca Andreescu. Of course, you look last week, the wins over a very much informed Petra Kvitova, a rounding finally into form Arena Sabalenka. She beats a Jessica Pagula. She beats a Maria Sakari and Elisa Mertens. How does she manage to do all this? Well, it's because if you look at the numbers, Caroline Garcia has ascended to become the number one server on the WTA Tour this season. She's holding 79.8% of the time here in 20, uh, 2018. Jesus. Hey, great shot to me. In what world, Alex, is it 2018? Let's keep that in, but let's try that again. She is holding 79 9.8% of the time here during this 2022 season. Wow, that was a massive brain fart. Nevertheless, you know who has not suffered from a brain fart? Caroline Garcia, who is just sticking to what makes her successful. Big serve, big plus one forehand. She's playing, you know what's coming, Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club style tennis. And we've seen just time after time that style of tennis have success regardless of events on the WTA Tour, regardless of the level of the event. Because if you can play on your terms, it doesn't really matter what your opponent's doing. It doesn't matter if it's Jessica Pagula and the relentless consistency that she brings match in, match out. It doesn't matter if it's the erratic yet deafening power tennis that Arena Sabalenka can play or Petra Kvitova can play from time to time. Caroline Garcia has blocked all of that out and she's made the tennis about and made each and every match about what she's doing well and against Petra Kvitova she just got off to such a strong start you know her first one up I believe went up an early break in set number one I want to say she broke maybe right off the bat or in Kvitova's second service game and just held on to that break of serve the rest of the way and you look for Garcia in that matchup against Petra Kvitova not only does she win 82% of her first serve points she fought off all eight break points that she faced. And for Garcia, there's no doubt there was some struggling on the second serve. And that's a credit to Petra Kvitova, who was striking the ball as if it was a grapefruit throughout the course of the week in Cincinnati, just playing her brand of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club Tennis. And of course, Kvitova is a property holder and a member of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. The lefty just, you know, again, when she's serving well, finding the slice wide on the ad side to open up the plus one forehand, regardless of where she's serving on the do side, that lefty slice T or just flat into your body. It was all working for Patrick Kvitova. It didn't matter when we got to the final because that Garcia serve uh, just, again, allowed her to be the front runner from the start. And when she's the front runner, it allows her aggressive game to translate successfully into the return of serve. And there's no doubt, you look for Caroline Garcia, she's first in hold percentage amongst top 50 players. She ranks 50th amongst the top 50 WTA players in break percentage. She's not someone who's going to get two, three breaks of serve throughout the course of any set. She's going to take her one break 
break chance, maybe her two break chances, take a big cut on the ball. If she converts on that big cut, uh, look, she's ahead. And now she and now you're just playing from behind and she gets to be that much more aggressive, uh, match in, match out, point in, point out. And it's just been spectacular tennis to see. Of course, Garcia, a former Grand Slam doubles champion, former world number one in doubles. The reason I bring that up, she's clearly comfortable using her power tennis to transition forward to the net. And she can hit the forehand approach down the line, cross court. She's comfortable swinging through that backhand as well, even if the forehand is truly the money maker for her. And look, there's no doubt you feel like it's thin margins for Garcia because, again, she is so explosive as a returner, but she's also a bit sporadic on that return of serve as well. As such, you're never 100% sure what you're going to get from Caroline Garcia on the return of serve in any given match. But again, last week against Jessica Pagula, excuse me, in the quarterfinals. Pagula may be the most consistent player on the WTA Tour this season. I believe she's currently third in the points race. Garcia just blitzed her from the start. You know, Pagula wasn't expecting nor prepared for the relentless power tennis that Garcia was able to play. Ditto for Arena Sabalenka, although I do have to give some credit to Sabalenka. Credit to Maria Sakari as well, who again, in the moment when she lost in three sets to Caroline Garcia in the round of 32, you thought, oh, another tough loss for Maria Sakari clearly not the case as she's one of what just two players in the main draw to get a set off the eventual champion but again yes the physicality the ability to absorb that first blow it can give Garcia troubles but unless you're an elite physical specimen such as a Sakari who again is able to sustain that level from star, or at least for the first two hours, although then again, she spent so much time tracking down that plus one forehand for Garcia. Third set, 6-1. It's because the power tennis of Garcia more replicable than some of her opponents. I mean, again, she's just exploding through the first forehand so well. She's confidently moving forward and because she's ahead you know she won the first set in all uh let's see she had two four six eight victories last week she won the first set in seven of her eight victories and the only set she didn't was against former world junior number one diane perry who haven't we said here on the mini break perry is going to be a problem moving forward perry proving that fact once again in that first round of qualifying talk about a brutal draw for the former world junior number one but again for garcia i mean There are a bunch of stats, a bunch of accolades I could turn to. I just don't have time to in the moment. Simply put, she's the number one server in the women's game right now. And again, when she's playing on her terms, when she's playing from ahead, good luck keeping pace with her because she's swinging so confidently. She's so aggressive, so relentless, uh, and just extraordinarily confident. Again, 26-4 and right now um, uh, since June 20th. A ridiculous run of success. And now with that success, Garcia up to 17th again. In the, li- uh, in the live rankings, excuse me, she's also currently fourth, according to Tennis Abstract's ELO ratings. And, you know, again, why is that significant? Because uh, it's just a metric of how, uh, fourth in terms of 2022, excuse me, specific ELO ratings. And as we've talked about all year long, yeah, Iga's best is still probably better than everyone else in the field. But outside of Iga, you know, who else are a clear-cut contender or is a clear-cut contender, excuse me, good grammar, Alex, heading into the U.S. Open. I mean, Jessica Pagula, it feels like she's going to get to the round of 16 quarterfinals. She's going to beat everyone she's supposed to beat. Certainly, Simona Halep in Canada proved once again how dangerous she can be, and now she's got that confidence, earning a signature run on the year. But look, Caroline Garcia's ninth in the WTA points race this season. 28-year-old's in the prime of her career. 
playing her best tennis once again. And look, there's actually some fascinating things in Garcia's background that I want to dive into when we talk about our contenders heading into the U.S. Open when we eventually dragoon, whether it be a David Kane, a David Gertler, a Ben Rothenberg, you know the cast of characters we're going to talk to later this week. But man, was Caroline Garcia successful and impressive in earning the title in uh, uh, Cincinnati. With that said, going to quickly rapid fire through the other players who impressed. When Petra Kvitova is playing her best tennis, it's just a stark reminder she's a tall, powerful lefty. And just good luck dealing with that slice out wide. Good luck dealing with her plus one forehand, which she spreads so well around the court. Inside out, cross court, inside in, down the line. She can just hit all of her spots. And again, when she's playing from in front, much like Caroline Garcia, just allows her to be that much more aggressive as a returner, to take those big cuts on the backhand wing and, you know, not only the forehand wing. At the same time, when she's playing from in front, she can be a little bit more measured with that forehand. Doesn't feel the need to go for broke on every ball early in the rally. And, you know, again, if she's healthy, which hasn't always been the case for her over the course of the past two years, we all know how dangerous Petra Kvitova can be. And it's just always, you know, worth reminding everyone, Petra Kvitova, still just 32 years old, like 18th in the points race. There's still plenty of good tennis left for Petra. That said, the player outside of Garcia, who impressed me the most, and this is not going to be a surprise to longtime listeners of the Mini Break Podcast. How about Arena Sabalenka? Did you know Arena Sabalenka, despite the 300-plus double faults she's hit this season, which she's going for that single-season record, and she could very well accomplish it with all the matches that she's played. Did you know Arena Sabalenka's 10th in the points race this season? I actually think outside of the serve, Arena Sabalenka is playing the best tennis of her career. And you look for her last week, wasn't the prettiest victories, obviously. Wins over Kalinskaya, uh, Jung Shui, and then a three-set victory over Shelby Rogers. But you look for Arena, who's you know breaking serve 37% of the time, which is a percent and a half above her career average. And yeah, you know the double fault percentage, 11.5%. Again, she's going to probably set the single season record for double faults. Um, she... It's still, it's just, again, talk about Serena Williams' Power Tennis Country Club. We've joked about it forever. She just, A, she's an elite athlete for someone her size. She moves way better than you would expect. And then, you know, again, just the sort of power tennis. She's a disruptor, and you're just not going to have a ton of rhythm against her because she's going to go big down the line. She's going to go through streaks where she misses seven balls in a row. And yet, there's still those five to ten minutes in every match where Arena Sabalenka looks untouchable. And there were moments in that second set which she takes 6-4 over Garcia where you just say to yourself, oh, wow, it doesn't matter how well Caroline Garcia's playing, how well she's serving, because Sabalenka's power transcends that. And again, I was remarkably impressed with Sabalenka, uh, who, despite not serving her best, gets to another semifinal and just sort of steadied the ship. I think every other part of her game except the serve has progressed this season. And eventually, one would hope, the ultimate controllable that serve will catch up to everything else as well. But again, power tennis was the name of the game. And I know there was the controversy, oh, what type of balls are they playing with? These balls fly through the court while U.S. Open balls don't particularly Look, I don't find myself getting worked up about the ball selection tournaments are ultimately using. That's going to be a tournament-by-tournament choice, and I think all these players, you just got to acclimate the balls that are being used. Would it be great if there was one ball at every event, regardless of what that event was? Of course that would be the best, because then we would never have this issue. That's the easy solution. But look, every player is going to prefer the ball that plays best for them. Obviously, in Cincinnati, we see the power tennis players progressing, whether it was, you know, Sabalenka, Garcia, Kvitova, Keys, 
Rabakina. That's what, four, five members of potential members of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club all in the quarterfinals. Clearly, the balls in Cincinnati benefited the players who could strike the crap out of it. But Man, how about Jessica Pagula? You know, it's her sixth quarterfinal of the year. She, it's like Indian Wells, Toronto, Madrid, Rome, French Open, Australian Open, now Cincinnati too. It's like, again, if it's a big event, Jessica Pagula is going to make the quarterfinals. And while she still doesn't have that signature victory, that signature title run, half the battle is putting yourself in position and getting yourself in the ball game. And there's no doubt Jessica Pagula, who I mentioned, third in the points race uh, right now here in 2022, she is unequivocally putting herself in the ball game each and every week. That said, you know, again, Alia Tamjanovic, I think, is playing really consistent tennis. She's the Diet Coke version of Jessica Pagula's Coke. Uh, I thought Conteve was playing a little bit better this week. Rabakina is still extraordinarily dangerous and obviously uh, just got knocked off by a very much inform and hot-serving Madison Keys. But with all that said, unfortunately, I got a rock and roll, so any supplemental thoughts that come up in my head for Cincinnati. I'll try to work into our U.S. Open preview content later this week. But again, trying to get that to all of you listeners. And of course, we'll get you up to date on everything happening at this week's tour level events as well. Shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, for the fuck of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all this content possible. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 